Wow, what a, a privilege it is to, to be here with you. Um, as Pastor Dello said, I'm from Pullman, Washington. It's on the way to nowhere. You have to accidentally get there or purposely want to get there because it's uh, just a small uh, uh, town. Washington State University is there. About 30,000 people are there. 20,000 of them are college students, so we minister to lots of college students. We have uh, in our heart to raise up the next generation, and so we have those college students for four or five. Some of them end up staying there, getting married, and, and settling down there, but uh, our heart is to develop them. Our heart is to put as much Jesus Christ we can inside of them, that wherever they go after that, wherever they are, they jump right into leadership roles in whatever church they're at, because they know the Lord, they know what they believe in, they know why they believe it, and, uh, and their assets in their churches, and that's our heart. I always cry, though, because I go, Lord, we always, we, we will come in, and they go out. They come in and go out. They come in and go out, you know, and, and I've always bemoaned that, Lord, we just want to kind of add, 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 but they come in and out, and God says, that's your part to the body of Christ. Shut up. Just do it. <laughs> so we do it, and uh, we still cry every once in a while uh, when some of those great kids leave, but uh, it's a joy and delight. I have to say, it's a privilege uh, to be here. I got to be here about a year ago and uh, had an absolutely wonderful time. We've had Pastor Daryl at our church. And, and the, the thing I like about Pastor Daryl is uh, uh, um, he loves people. He loves the Lord Jesus Christ and he loves people. He loves to shepherd his folk. He loves you guys. I love pastors who love their sheep, who aren't looking for the next best and biggest thing out there, but their direction is not on their growth, but more on the growth of their congregation. And that's their heart. He's also a family man. I, I, I love the fact that he's got three kids. I guess four. I didn't realize that you have four kids. You have twins. You have a twin, right? That's, is that kid over there your twin? <laughs> he looked just like you or something. Just got glasses on. I, I thought maybe he's is he long lost one of your children over there. I, Anyway, he, he, uh, three great kids. I love his family, uh, love his wife. I, I, just, they love their kids. I love our, we have three kids, and uh, I have ten grandchildren. Get busy. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> but once you find her, don't delay, okay? Uh, <clears throat> the... Um, I have 10 grandkids from the age of, of just born. I have two just born this year and uh, all the way up to the age of nine. And so, and I love kids. I love kids. If there's a kid around here, I will, I mean, I already connected with one back here. I love children. Um, I think Jesus loved children and, and children love Jesus. Well, let me get into the, to the message. I, I know that Pastor Dell has been talking about, oh, first of all, my lovely wife, Carrie. Carrie, stand up. She's the, the wind beneath my sails, all of that. She's the person who rolls her eyes when I make an illustration. She goes, where did you come up with that? And I go, I'm sorry, I didn't clear it with you. <clears throat> Sometimes I say things that afterwards she says, I wish you wouldn't have said that. <laughs> now, she's awesome. She's a great delight. She's uh, uh, also in charge of our worship in that, at our church. I know Pastor Daryl's been doing a series on, <clears throat> on real life. And I want to talk about real life as well. I hope that this fits into that series, real life. And I, I want to talk about the time. Have you ever gone through life and all of a sudden, just there's so much stuff going on. I was, uh, I was, I opened up my computer and, uh, we, you know, we all have laptops, we all have computers, desktops, whatever. Have you ever had so many windows open up 
that all of a sudden you get so many going on that your computer gets more sluggish. It just starts like whoa, 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 whoa. It just, it just doesn't go as fast as it used to go. You're used to it zipping around and it doesn't do that. And so I was in my office and, I, and I'm running to my laptop and I'm going, I'm talking to my, to my uh, 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 secretary, Catherine, it's slow, it won't work. What's wrong with it? And she says, shut it down. Just turn it off and restart it. What do you mean, just turn it off and restart it? Yeah, shut the windows down and restart it. If you restart it, if you reboot it, the title of the message, if you reboot it, it will come back with a little bit more vigor. And as you add those windows back again, they'll have a little bit more power, a little bit more energy, a lot more quickness. It'll move faster, but you need to reboot. I think sometimes as Christians, we need to reboot. We've got things going on, and they're all great things, and sometimes we need to shut them down and restart them with a fresh anointing, a fresh vision, a fresh excitement. We need to start our worship fresh over again, our obedience to the Lord fresh again. We need to have this freshness again. And Leanne, I wanted to share something. I had a word for you on um, when we were at the conference, and I didn't give it then because I thought I would see you here. And I felt like what the Lord was saying, He's going to put you in a season, of a fresh season. It's going to be a fresh season of worship for you and I think for your church. I think He's going to, going to do some things inside of your heart with a fresh anointing, a fresh zeal, a fresh enthusiasm. He's going to anoint you. You're an amazing worship leader. I love it. I, I get lost when you in that area. But He was going to do something for you to energize you. And I don't know if you write songs or not, but I felt this, that he says, there's going to be a new anointing to write songs. That you're going to, you're going to write words and write songs. You're going to send people into worship that they're just going to be energized by. And the other thing was this, that he's, he's allowing you as a mentor to mentor the people that follow you, the people on your team, with also a fresh vigor, a fresh excitement, a new enthusiasm. And I believe that he's going to give you things like you never dreamed of. New ideas, new thoughts, new vision for stuff that will just send you off into this excitement of the Lord. So I pray that that minister to you. I, I, I just, he loves you and he loves your heart for him. And he's just going to freshen you up because you're his girl. to freshen us all up. He wants us to reboot. He wants us to reconnect with him in a new way. And I believe that when we reconnect, I think it's through prayer that we reconnect, and God wants us to reconnect with him in a different way in our prayer time. And I, I, was, I was taken by, I, we read through the scriptures together as a, as a church, and we were in 2 Corinthians, or 2 Chronicles, and I was taken by all of the kings who started off well and ended bad, the kings of Judah. Israel kind of was bad, and they just stayed bad. But in Judah, they, they, they were good, and then, and then they, towards the end, they went bad. Asa started off really good. He starts off doing all these great reforms. He starts tearing down these altars. He's doing, he's, 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 he's uh, countercultural. He's taking down the things around him, the culture around him. He's tearing them down, and he's starting a new culture. 
And I think the church should do that. We should be countercultural, and our church should be setting culture in our world today. And he does that. And he goes on for a long time there, but in his 36th year, all these great reforms, but in the 36th year, he starts depending on other things rather than the Lord. And there's this verse. There's this verse. It's in uh, 2 Chronicles 16. It's verse 9. It says, and, and a, a prophet comes to him and says this, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro through the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts is, say with me, loyal to him. Loyal to him. And that word loyal means complete. He's looking for people whose hearts are completely enraptured with him that he may anoint and empower you and connect you to him with such a vigor, such an excitement. He's looking. There's, a, there's, a, there's the, the, the Helix Nebula. It's about 700 light years away. Can you show that picture? And they call it the eye of God. It's the eye of God. And I, when I look at that, we kind of did a little, uh, go ahead and go through some of the other ones there. We kind of, that's, that's it again in another picture. We kind of added some things to it. There's two eyes of God. Go to the next picture. There he is. There's the eye of God 700 light years away, and he's running to and fro throughout the earth looking for who's loyal to him. Are you? He's running to and fro looking. Who's loyal? I want to show myself strong to that person who is loyal to me. Look at all the kings and all of them. They all went, started good. Jehoshaphat, Joash, uh, Isaiah, Hezekiah. They, they all started. And my question is this. My observation is this. Many Christians start well on fire for God. Do the circumstances of life quench your fire. Do the circumstances of life, get that slide, the circumstances of, of, of life quench, go back one. You'll get it here. Many Christians start well, on fire for God, do the circumstances of life quench your Fire. I think sometimes those who have been in church for a long time, we realize we know how it goes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know, I know how it goes. I know how we play this game. I know how churches goes. And we, we start becoming stale. We start becoming old in it instead of fresh and new. So I want to give you five points about how you can reconnect to God in prayer that will freshen up, reboot, Re-energize, re-excite your life with him. First point, believing. First point, believing. In Mark 11, 22 through 24, it says this, So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Actually, the literal translation of that is, Have the faith of God. Have the faith of God. Think about God and his faith. When he said, let there be light. Do you think he stood back and goes, it 
happened. It happened. Oh my gosh, it happened. I don't think God was surprised when the light showed up. Are you? He wasn't sitting there worried, is it going to show up or not? He knew by faith when he spoke it, it was going to happen. When he said, let there be a sun, a moon, and the stars, and all of a sudden, boom, a sun, boom, a moon. Well, two out of three ain't bad. I mean, you got to look at it. That's good. If you pray and you get two out of three things, that's probably pretty good. That's not what happened. When God prayed, when God said it, did it happen? You better believe it happened. When God spoke it, his faith directed and made it happen. And what he's saying for us, church, is do we believe the same way God believes? Do we have faith, the faith of God? Because when God says it, he knows it's going to happen. It's for sure. It's a fact. When he speaks it, it is done. He says, for as surely I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not, say with me, doubt in his heart, but believes, has the faith of God, that those things, he says, will be done just like God. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, when you rap, when you connect with God, when you talk with him, when you talk with him, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Impossible? There is nothing impossible for God because when God speaks it, his faith puts it into action and it is as good as done. It is done. Do we have that same faith? Is our faith the same? God, I believe you want me to do this. You've spoken this to my heart. Therefore, I believe it's going to happen and it does. The word doubt here, the Greek word for doubt is the akrino, and it means to withdraw from, oppose, hesitate. You see, the enemy is the author of doubt. God is the author of faith. The enemy is the author of doubt. His job in your life, his job as he sees it, is to get you to doubt whatever God says. Is to get you to hesitate, to stop, to withdraw, to back up. Instead of going full-hearted out for the things of God. Um, in our church, a, a number of years ago, I, I, I'm a visual guy, and so I had this visual demonstration. I took a bowling ball, and I hung it. We have a point on the edge of our, our platform, comes to a point like this. At the very end, up in the, up in the rafters up there, I, I, up in the, uh, the catwalks, I dropped a, a, a rope and put a bowling ball at the end of it. And with this bowling ball, I took the bowling ball and I pulled it back on the stage all the way back like this. And I took the oldest lady in our church and I had her come up and I put the bowling ball on her head like this. And I said, listen, I'm going to let go of this bowling ball. It's going to swoop out and it swooped out all the way out over the congregation. And then it's going to come back. And as it comes back, the laws of physics say, because of friction, it's going to come back, but it can't hit you in the head. It'll come back and it'll stop short. And I asked her, do you believe that? And she goes, if you say so, Pastor. <laughs> I did not realize until afterwards, I, I, I'm really glad she didn't have a heart attack. She was so, she was shaking. She was shaking, but I, I was into the message. I wasn't even thinking about it, but she, I'm, I, the poor lady. 
And then I said to her, and you have to keep your eyes open, because she was closing them. I go, no, no, you have to keep your eyes open. The faith is keeping your eyes open, not closing them. So you got to open up your eyes and believe. And I'm not kidding you, she was trembling. She, I let go of the ball, she goes out over the congregation. It comes back, she's watching it, she's watching it, she's watching it, and it stops short just like that. And she goes, ah, and falls into my arms. And then I took another gal, and again, we have, we're a college congregation, and so we have a lot of just, I took this 20-year-old, you know, she's just snappy and witty and, you know, just, you know, one of those, ah, you got every answer about everything. And I pull her out, and I have her come up, and I do exactly the same thing. I take the bowling ball, put it on her head like that, and I tell her the same thing, and she saw it, and, you know, she's just a little arrogant, you know, ah, yeah, 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 you know, and just, she's laughing, egging the crowd on and stuff. And then... And then I let go of the ball, and as I let go of the ball, and I get all this time as it's going out and coming back, I say to her, I go, you know what, I actually pushed that ball, it's probably going to come back and hit you in the head. If I were you, you might want to think about moving. And she goes, what? And I go, I'm just telling you, I think the ball's going to come back and hit you in the head. She goes, what you do? And we're back, she's, we're debating back and forth, debating back, and, and, and the ball comes back, and I go, you can do what you want, but I think it's going to hit you in the head. And it comes back, and at the very end, man, she, she bailed. She, she just jumped out of there. But it did nothing different. The title of the message was, Does Your Faith Flinch? And here's the issue. Isn't that exactly what the devil does when God gives you a word? When you're believing for something, and you're believing that God's going to do it, and then the devil, he comes and he starts going, Oh, it's not going to happen. No, 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 you can't get a healing. No, 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 I would move if I were you. It's going to hit you. It's going to hit you. It's going to hit you. He just talks in your ear. He gets you to flinch, to move, to not believe, to not move full ahead in the things of God. When God says it, it's as good as done. That's his faith. That's the faith we're to have. But the devil wants you to doubt God. He did it with Eve. Eve is out there enjoying life and all that, and he says, hey, didn't God say you could enjoy all the trees here? And Eve goes, no, 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 not the one that's in the midst of the garden. We can't eat that one. If we do eat of it, we'll die. And he goes, you won't die. You won't die. Now, the first thing Eve should have said when, when this voice contradicted God was she should have turned to the, to the snake and said, liar, liar, pence on fire. <laughs> but Eve didn't do that. Eve you won't die. God knows that you'll be like him. Blah, 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 until finally Eve goes, why not? It sounds good to me. The devil is to get you to rationalize anything you're doing that's wrong, that it's right. To get you to think that whatever you're doing wrong, whatever you're doing against God, whatever you're not believing or exercising your faith is exactly the right thing to do because it seems logical. And what happened? She lost. Don't let the enemy steal your faith. Have the faith of God that when you believe he's given you a word and you believe it, you see it as done. Let there be light. Bam. Sun, moon, stars. Bing, bing. Twinkle, 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 twinkle. Then it's going to happen. That it's going to happen. It's as good as done. Don't hesitate. God has a strategic plan for your life to believe him. The devil has a strategic plan for your destruction.
to kill, steal, and destroy. That's his plan. That's what he'll do. Don't believe him. <clears throat> Number two. Number two. By the way, what thing is God speaking to you that you've given up on? What thing has he spoken to your spirit? You've kind of thought, well, it's a long time coming. Therefore, don't you understand that, that, that Abraham waited a while, 25 years for Isaac? He believed. He stayed in there. 25 years, other than about 13 years in there, he had a little hiccup, but he believed. He believed for the promised land. It didn't come until 700 years later where they, where they were all into the promised land. But he believed God, and he believed God so much that God accounted it to him as righteousness because this, it turns God's crank when you believe in him. When you believe what he says, it makes God excited. He says something to you. Blah, 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 blah. She believes me. I'm so excited. She believes what I say. She honors me. She knows that I won't leave her out in the cold. God loves it when we believe. Number two, forgiving. You want to connect well with God? We need to believe. You want to connect well with God? We need to forgive. Look at the scripture. Continuing on in Mark, it says this. And whenever you start, whenever you stand praying, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, say with me, forgive. Forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. Everybody say, ouch. If you don't forgive, you're not forgiven. Let me ask you this question. If your sins are not forgiven, can you go to heaven? What's your theology? If your sins are not forgiven, can you go to heaven? Anybody? Anybody? How many say no? How many say yes? How many don't care? <laughs> I think so. The only way we get to heaven is by the blood of Jesus Christ that forgives and pays the penalty for our sin and forgives us. But here God is saying this, if you won't forgive them, then my blood poured out to forgive you, I'm not going to forgive you. What? My, my thought is this. I know a lot of us have been hurt by people. So many people out there have done stuff to us. There's been heinous stuff done to people. Rape, murder, uh, uh, plunder, stealing, all sorts of things that have happened. And we have hurting people in the church because of things that have been done to us. And I'm not belittling that. I'm not making that small. That's a big issue. Well, my thought is this. Even though they've done that to us, we must forgive them. We must forgive them. Don't let the person who abused you, who hurt you, keep you from heaven by not forgiving them. Forgive. Because when we forgive, I think it opens up the power of God. Unforgiveness is like a breaker. When you're walking in the power of God and you're not forgiving somebody and you have, you're harboring unforgiveness, it just... It cuts the power. We must forgive. We must forgive those who have hurt us, who have done stuff wrong against us. We must not harbor ought. 
The word here, forgive, is the Greek word, aphiame, and it means to send in an intense form, to send forth, to get it away, to get it off, to get it off. Now, I don't know how many of you here have ever stepped in dog do before. When I've stepped in dog do, I feel, I feel violated. You step in mud and walk in the house, you go, oops, 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 sorry, sorry, vacuum it up. You step in dog poo and then walk in the house, people, ah! Away, unclean. I mean, there's just something about dog do. You know you've got it. Because you can smell it. Mud on you doesn't smell like anything. Dog do on your shoe, you go, what's that aroma? It's dew by dog. A new musk scent. Now, most people don't have that air freshener in your car hanging. We don't like that smell. We do everything we can to get it off. Get it off. I mean, we will make sure we get it off. That's exactly what God is saying about forgiving. Get it off. Don't harbor it. Let go of it. When I look at this altar here, and our altar the same way, People coming up afterwards can come here and some, spend some time with the Lord. And I look at this as a, as a trash can where we dump all of our stuff. Dump all of our oughts. Dump all of our sin. Dump all of our unforgiveness. Dump everything right here. He wants us to let go of it because we're supposed to let go of all of the trash. You can't hold on to trash and receive a blessing from God at the same time. You can't hold on to it. Go, no, no, just a second. I can, I'll just put it there, put it here, put it down the sock, put it down. I, I, I got some room and, and more trash shows up and expect you're going to receive a blessing from God. If you want to receive something new and fresh from God, you've got to dump all the junk. Dump all the dew. Dump all the unforgiveness. Dump all the sin. And I thank God that in our church is a great dumping ground, a great trash ground. I say that with all reverence. To let go of all of our sin, all of our unforgiveness, all of our trash, so that we can rise up and receive all of the fresh and wonderful and awesome promises God wants to give us if we walk free. It's the power switch. God wants us believing like he believes. God wants us forgiving like he forgives. And he forgives even when we didn't ask. You are most like Christ when you forgive. God help us to not harbor aught but to forgive. Thirdly, thirdly, abiding. We need to be abiding. We want to connect with God in a great way? We need to be abiding. In John, 17, or in John 15, 4, it says this. Look at all the words abide here. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, unless it's connected. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you're the branches. He who abides, look at all these abides, in me and I in him bears much fruit, for you can do nothing, for without me you can do nothing, or nothing that really matters, 
If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If, here's the key right here, here's the conditional. If, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire, and it will be done for you. He's trying to get us back to that believing, making whatever we, we ask for happen. He's got some conditionals. He's saying that we must abide. And that word abide is the Greek word meno. And it means to stay. Doesn't mean run in, run out. Hey, I'm here, God. I'm gone. I'm in it. It means to stay. Now, we have two dogs. And the younger dog that we have, I was trying to teach it how to stay. And you, the way you teach a dog how to stay is you tell it, sit. You, he doesn't want to sit, so you push him down. Sit. Boom. That's it. Boom. That's it. Boom. That's it. And then you go, stay. This is, this is the word for, if you ever want him to stay home and don't go out, you say, stay. You say, no, you're not going out. Stay. You just, I don't know why that is. That's a universal stay language. Stay. Then I walk away from the dog. And the dog comes after me and I put him back there. No, sit, stay. Stay means don't move. Stay. And all of a sudden follows again. Move. And we finally, after a while, get the stay. I'm just so excited to get over here. Come. Boom, he comes over here. Sit. Get back over here. Stay. Come. And I'm just so excited. I got him. He, he obeys me. There's something about when you have a dog or someone who just obeys your words. It's incredible. Sit. Stay. And I'm sitting there thinking, look at my dog. I did that. I did that. Look at him. Then all of a sudden, as I was doing sit and stay, a squirrel ran across the yard. That dog did not sit and did not stay, but took off after the squirrel. Zing! And I'm going, stop, stop, sit, stay, stay! And he just, thank God the squirrel went up a tree, because that's the only thing that stopped my dog from running as far as it did. How many squirrels come across us as Christians. God says, stay. Stay here with me. Stay in me. And all of a sudden, a squirrel runs across the screen. Something that happens to keep us from staying. But he says that if we abide in him, and his words abide in us, they will ask whatever we want, and it will be done for us. And here's what I, I think about that. <clears throat> I think it's an important principle. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will and it will be done for you. Not Whoops. <laughs> not if you abide in me, the word's not there, or if the word abides in you and you're not abiding in him, it has to all line up. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will and it will be done for you. Two things. We need to stay in God. Abide in God means to stay in Him. 
Also, abide in the Word. We have to stay in the Word of God. That's why we don't go home during summer and take it off. Is that we're, we need to continue to grow. We need to continue to know the Word. Pastor Darrell is an excellent teacher. I love this guy. The words that he speaks, by the way, I am, I'm coming out of the bullpen. If you're new here, he's, he's the starter. So I just, he's, he's an amazing, he's an amazing pitcher. He's an amazing pitcher for this church. We need to have the word in us. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will and it shall be done for you. And let me tell you what, when we get those things lined up, when we're staying, sit, staying in the presence of God and allowing God to be there 24-7 and walking that anointing and the word of God is inside of us, then you have to understand that what comes out of us is the power of God and it keeps coming 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 and there it is. Okay. <laughs> if you Abide in Him. And His Word abides in you because you're a growing Christian who wants to know what we stand on. What does God say? Because that's what I want to believe for and that's what I'm going to set my heart for. And as it happens, the power of God that comes out of you grows and grows and grows and grows and anoints and anoints and anoints and anoints and anoints and it keeps on going. You give out to your friends, to your neighbors, to everybody else. Our job as Christians is to give out of the great wealth that we have inside of us. And when we're lined up, God has so much to pour out of you to your family, to your friends, to your neighbors, to your co-workers. It's absolutely amazing. And that's how the world gets transformed. Because Christ is in us. And the Word of God resides in us. And therefore the power of God comes out of us. We're to believe. Excuse me. Hello. Come on in here. Come on. Come on. Everybody come. 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 You. Even you little one. Okay. Great. Whoops. 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 Okay. There we go. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Number four. Number four. Fourth point. We're to believe. Want to connect with God? We need to believe afresh and new. And believe the way God does. We need to forgive the way God forgives. We need to be abiding in Him and His Word needs to be abiding in us in a fresh and new way so we can give it out with power. Fourthly, <clears throat> with thanksgiving. We need to be thankful for all that God has done for you. Thankful for His presence in your life. Philippians 4, 6 says this, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer, that connection and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. I think when I look at this, what am I thankful for? I am thankful that I belong to God. I'm thankful that He's my Lord. I'm thankful that He's my Savior. I belong to Him and God is my source. I belong to Him and God is my source. Let me read this, this story. A traveler between flights at an airport went to a lounge and bought a small package of cookies. 
Then she sat down and began reading from the newspaper. Gradually, she became aware of a rustling noise. From behind her paper, she was flabbergasted to see a neatly dressed man helping himself to her cookies. What? What's he Not wanting to make a scene, she leaned over, kind of like, <clears throat> and took a cookie herself, kind of declaring, these are my cookies, thank you very much, and ate it. A minute or two passed, and then came more rustling. He was helping himself to another cookie, the nerve. By this time, they had come to the end of the package, but she was so angry, she didn't dare allow herself to say anything. Then, as if to add insult to injury, the man broke the remaining last cookie in two, pushed half across to her, ate the other half, smiled, and graciously said goodbye, and left. Oh, man, she's fuming. Still fuming sometime later, when her flight was announced, the woman opened her handbag to get her ticket. To her shock and embarrassment, there she found her package of unopened cookies. <laughs> They're not your cookies. She was eating the other man's cookies and was mad. Do you understand? Your cookies aren't yours. They're God's. Your life isn't yours. It's God. But God, my life, I've got the right. You don't have any. You don't belong to yourself. God bought you. You belong to him. You're his. You're his cookies. You can't get mad and go, but I want to. They're not your cookies. You have no right over the cookies. They belong to God. You belong to God. Amen. His source and power also belongs to you. Understand that when we get mad about what God is doing, remember they're His. You're His. They're your cookies. And in five seconds, I'm going to give you the last point. Because Pastor Dell wants me to. Is that all right, Pastor Dell? The last one is in hiding. In hiding. Want to connect with God in a new way? He wants to do it with you in secret. In Matthew 6, 5 through 6. And when you pray, when you connect with God, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand, uh, to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the street, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, into your closet, the King James says, into your closet, into that area. And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in heaven, who is in secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. You know, most of the times, people that I know, we ourselves, it's the secret place where a lot of sin is committed. And God says, could we reserve this secret place for time with me? Could that be a time when you connect with me a hiding place with God. Suzanne Wesley had 19 children. Anybody here have 19 children? Anybody here have 10 children? You have 19? Well, you were shaking your head. I thought, <laughs> I was just going to, whoa, how do you do it? 19 children. Had 19 children. Do you know, 
she realized she needed a quiet time with God. And how do you get away with 19 children? 19 children trying to hurt them all around. You know what she did? If you read their account, Susanna Russell, she would take her apron and throw it over her head. That was her secret place. She took her apron, threw it over her head, and every kid knew if mom has the apron on her head, do not talk to her, do not cry, do not whine, do not moan. Wait until the apron comes down because mom is spending time with God. My encouragement is this. Do you have a secret place? Do you have a place when things are going tough, you just kind of, I have a water tower I go up to. You have a place to go and pray. Every Sunday before church, I'm at that tower praying. Do you go to the place, the secret place? Most people don't have a place. Most people don't have a time. Get a time. Get a place. And get connected to God. The very last scripture I had here was interesting. In Psalm 48, 4610. Be still and know that I am God. You belong to me. And who belongs to me? I take great care of. Believe like God. Forgive like God. Abide in God. Be thankful for God. And hide in God. And he'll give you a fresh anointing. I'd like to pray this at the end. Anybody who would like a fresh anointing, a fresh outpouring from the Lord, want to reconnect with him in a different way, I, if you want to, stand. I want to pray for you. If you feel that in your heart, you'd like to have, then stand. Father, I thank you for these who have boldly risen to their feet, and those that can't, Lord, who are sitting there. I pray the Holy Spirit would come upon them in such unction, Lord, in such power, in such wonder, in such awe, that they would have a new, fresh anointing that comes from the very presence of God. Lord, your desire is to renew us, to refresh us, to embolden us, to lead us, that we would enjoy this walk with you beyond measure, Lord. It's not a tough thing. It's an awe-inspiring thing when God is truly at the center. Help these, Lord, and myself to please God, to believe like you, to forgive like you, to abide in you, to be thankful for you, and to hide our life in you. Bless them now, Lord. In Jesus' wonderful and precious and awesome name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated just for a moment before we go. We're going to receive the blessing of the Lord and, and head out and have lunch together. But what a powerful word from God today. I, I believe that it's finding good ground in your heart. And it's going to grow. It's going to grow this week. So review those, um, uh, those messages and your notes, and we'll put them online as quickly as possible so that you can, um, so that you can uh, listen again and allow the word to go even deeper.
And we want to um, just say thank you to uh, both Phil and Carrie for coming. And there's obviously added expenses when coming to a conference and staying away from family and, and uh, their home church for a weekend. We want to bless them with an offering. Uh, he is sowed into our life. We want to sow into his life. And they also are away from a brand new grandbaby as well. So that's hard to be away from a brand new, brand, brand new grandbaby. But uh, um, we just want to be a blessing to them as they've been here. And we want to pray a blessing upon them uh, as well. Also today, uh, it's, it's funny how this works because uh, also from uh, Washington State is Dennis Elrod from Spokane. They're about an hour away from each other. And uh, so I'm going to have Dennis come down. Dennis is one of our missionaries, one of our longtime missionaries. He's been a milita- or military, uh, not a military, a missionary pilot. Come on down. Come on down. Missionary pilot for many years, and now he's the CEO of uh, Spokane Turbine Center, a training missionary pilot. So I'm going to have him share uh, just a word real quickly. But men and women, come forward, and let's uh, pray for Phil. He's been praying for us. Let's stretch our hand toward him. Pray a blessing on him. God, we just thank you for Phil. We thank you for Carrie. We thank you for their family, their life, their church. God, uh, we just know that, uh, God, you want to bless them, and God, you want to do great things. And uh, Lord, you want to give them freshness in, in their life, in their ministry. And so, God, we just believe today that you're doing that, that you're anointing. I pray that as he goes home, he'll have just a fresh anointing uh, for his family, for his friends, for his church. And uh, again, God, we just pray that, uh, that as we give this morning, every need that he has will be met according to your riches and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So it's great having uh, Dennis with us, and uh, Dennis is a, a longtime uh, member of the church and also missionary, and so uh, all the way back to when his wife and he came in 1992 to our church as they were training for ministry and uh, then going to the mission field, and now they're uh, leading other people uh, into the, the calling that they have. So share a little bit, and glad you're here. And let's Thank know you. how you can... We-